I'd invite you at this time to take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Luke, Luke 17. Luke 17, where we'll take for our text this morning, verses 20 and 21. And so in context, this comes right after uh, Jesus' cleansing of the ten lepers. One comes back, where are the rest other than this foreigner? An understanding of faith here again. The Messiah was going to come. Here are signs. That kingdom is coming. Here is the advancing, the restoration that he will bring And yet this is what is said after that. Luke 17, verse 20, hear now the word of the Lord. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's also turn to that summary of that word in the Hutterberg Catechism, Lord's Day 48. It can be found on page 895 in the back pages in your Trinity Psalter hymnal. As we seek to know the meaning of the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. Question 123 asks, what does the second petition mean? Your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until your kingdom fully comes, when you will be all in all. Thus far, our confession. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word, for this testimony of the word and the catechism you have provided for us. We thank you, Lord, for the orientation that it grants to us. A reminder, Father, of how that kingdom comes and when it will come, but, but Lord, most importantly, where? That, that it is worked in each of your people. And so, Lord, would you continue to bring that kingdom to bear in all things, even until that last day, where your kingdom will be all in all. So, Lord, would the words of my mouth and the meditations of our spirit, would they be pleasing to you? And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation beloved of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, thy kingdom come is an incredibly important petition, yes, because Christ has taught us to pray that way, but also because of our own propensity in our sin. Because here, already in the prayer, as it has already happened several times, we need to be reoriented in terms of the way that we live our lives and think about them. Because on the one hand, we look and say, our Father, we love being children of God. Hallowed be your name. We say that we are willing to set him apart as first and holy. But then when we start talking about kingdom, we soon realize that I desire the coming of my kingdom far more than I desire God's kingdom to come. That if I think about how much time I spend, how much thought that I give, the ways in which we want things to be just so in the lives that we live, and yet we don't always give that same kind of intentionality, that same kind of purpose driven to the same. How is God's kingdom come? Where is it coming? Why does it come? 
In fact, the petition truly drives us to consider if he's our only desire. If following him is our only concern. If he's truly our Lord and King. Because if we desire the coming of his kingdom, thy kingdom come, we must desire to know him more fully as our King. And that really is the rub. Because a reigning king must have a kingdom, but he also must have subjects. And so in the way of God's kingdom, his kingdom isn't first known by the places that he rules over. Though every square inch of the creation our king declares over that it is his, it's mine. But rather his kingdom is most fully known in his subjects. That's the wonder and power of our king. It's made known in his children, those made part of his kingdom, those used by our king to advance it. And so in praying this prayer, we acknowledge that we're to be about the king in our service, that we cry out to a good and gracious king for his help. And we pray that that king would pour out his blessings, that he would pour out his word, that he would pour out his spirit upon us, his chosen people, those gathered into his church, into his body, the saints, even those called out in the future, that we would be holy, that we would serve him only, and that we would testify of the now and forever glorious reign of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet we don't leave that first petition too quickly. Because ultimately the two still are connected. Kevin DeYoung brings out this connection of this kingdom come in this way. Quote, where God's name is set apart as holy, his commands will be obeyed and his reign will be acknowledged. End quote. And so does your life look like that? Is it lived like that? To our lives individually, does our body life together as a church give testimony and witness to that reign? Is it known in our submission? Is it known in our Christ-likeness? Is it known in our love and thanks for a kingdom come and still coming? Because that's truly what we're praying about. Our prayers give witness to a reigning God as we seek his help to make his advancing kingdom known. That's the theme that we look at this text and this word with today. Our prayers give witness to a reigning God as we seek his help to make his advancing kingdom known. And so to get at that, we have a few questions that we need to be able to answer through Christ's words, even in responding to the Pharisees this morning, so that we would make that kingdom known in our words and in our actions by way of faith and love. So those questions are these. When will his kingdom come? That's already in the first part of Christ answering in verses, or verse 20, the first part of verse 20. Then how will his kingdom come is the main section there, 20b through the first part of 21. And then where will his kingdom come is how Christ ends these words in verse 21. But the first question is this. When will his kingdom come? But you're already saying, well, this... This seems weird, and it should seem weird among a Reformed people who have an understanding of all of the events of Christ's life already. We're a people who believe Jesus has ascended, that he is actively ruling and reigning at the Father's right hand now. So when will his kingdom come? It already has. 
but that hadn't yet happened at the time of our text. And so the Jews, they were always looking for the kingdom to come. But their problem was that their hope was found in wanting an earthly kingdom. For Israel to be established, those 12 tribes again, an earthly kingdom here on earth. That Roman rule would be destroyed so that Israel would rule and reign on this earth with the Messiah. That was their heart's desire. And so with intentionality then, they gave themselves to determining by way of the the law, but also by way of world events, when the Messiah would come. They would give themselves even to the the pattern of the stars. And that's what this word is here of observe. That that you're you're not going to be able to figure it out that way. But they gave themselves to it. When will the Messiah come? But we have the opposite issue. That while they fell into this ditch, we find ourselves in the other one. Because while we know that Christ rules over all things, we don't always submit to it. We don't always desire to see his kingdom come more fully now. It's just something that's going to happen, and so we're just going to do what we always do. We know it will come, but what is it, what is it for it to come, that kingdom to come, more fully day by day? And so when will it come? It's the Pharisees' question. Look again at verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And if we're just looking at this text outside of all of the rest of them, we may say, well, it's it's a fair question. If this is what they're giving their lives to, then they should come to Jesus and they should ask. But Jesus already sought to correct their kingdom seeking. If your Bibles are still open, look back at Luke 12. Verses 54 through 56. Where it says there, he also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? You see, they were trying to figure out when, and Jesus, even by way of his answer then, but also now, is saying what? Look at what's right in front of you. You're so concerned about all of those other things that you are not considering the now. And again, they're not the only ones, are they? Think of the exchange right before Jesus ascended in Acts 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Even the apostles and disciples are saying, this has to be the way. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You're worried about the wrong thing. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, we have the same issue. We are so worried about the when will it come, and when is Jesus coming, and I want him to come soon. And he's saying, I'm here. I'm already here. 
for you apostles, I've already won the victory. You live in power now because I have made you a part of that kingdom. So live as kingdom citizens. And we have the same problem. We don't understand that in the person of Jesus Christ, in his standing there, even as he does now and ruling now, his kingdom has come. We're not waiting for something. We're not living losses now, expecting a win later. We've already won. While skirmishes still happen, the war has been won. We're only waiting for something in fullness. His kingdom is inaugurated and established. We're only waiting for the receipt of it in full. And so where's the blessing in that? Where is our understanding of our enjoyment of that, of the fruit of that? Why isn't it known now and seen now? God's kingdom is already come and is coming more and more, hear this, as he rules his people by his word and spirit. That's the struggle. We don't believe it and we don't give ourselves to it. And this leads to a skewed view of reality, of our importance, and even to diminish that which is going to come. Because even in our own ways, in the way that we live our lives, we're still saying what? I want a kingdom that's going to be restored that I can keep. And he's saying, I've given you something far better. You see, his kingdom is already. Christ is king and head of the church now. And those Pharisees who are asking this question ask it with edge because they would not receive that Messiah. Have we received the Messiah? See, don't miss the truth. The church has received her king, not just in the Christmas carols we sing once a year. We've received our Lord. We've received its Christ. Don't miss the truth by looking exclusively ahead. Take the time now to see the rule and reign of Jesus and the advancing of his kingdom. And you're like, "Eh, but I don't know if we see that. That's what he says. That's who he is. And just because your line of sight is so limited and skewed by way of your own sin and your own expectation, ask that it would be removed. He is advancing. His kingdom has come and is coming because we have the promise and commands of his word to prove it. So as we live that out, we simply walk each day being present. Present as kingdom citizens, knowing what we're called to as subjects of that kingdom and of that Lord. So Belgian Confession, Article 13, states it this way, which is to really drive us again at the main importance. We do not wish to inquire with undue curiosity into what he does that surpasses human understanding and is beyond our ability to comprehend. But in all humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us, being content, hear this, being content to be Christ's disciples. That's what a life of kingdom looks like now. 
We live as his disciples so as to learn only what he shows us in his word without going beyond his limits. In Christ, the kingdom has come, so live that. He's won the victory, so live like it. All things are under his rule and reign. Are you? Are you? And yes, we don't know it perfectly yet. That should be our longing. A kingdom come and still coming, a kingdom already, not yet, leads us to look for a coming day where the kingdom will be over all and in all. But it already starts now. But in that last day, all of that church and the wonder of all of that kingdom will be gathered into his fullness and into his reign forevermore. Which means you, Christian, should be able to live and be present every day of your life with great hope. Because what spews out of our mouth more, although maybe not in the last couple of weeks in the wranglings that have gone on there, but what seems to go out of our mouths is way more Fox News than gospel. Much more the hell of this world than the hope of the truth of Christ. His kingdom has come. His kingdom continues to advance. The king is coming. It says in Belgian Confession, Article 37, Finally, we believe, according to God's word, that when the time appointed by the Lord has come, which is unknown to all creatures, and the number of the elect is complete, our Lord Jesus Christ will come from heaven bodily and visibly as he ascended with great glory and majesty to, to declare himself the judge of the living and the dead. The kingdom will come in its fullness in the perfection at the return of Christ. His kingdom will ultimately prevail. We have great hope. So live out that confidence now. Live it out now. The victory is assured. Your inheritance is guaranteed. Your destination known. So give yourself to being content with following Jesus. Serving in his name, caring for his people, calling sinners to receive Christ. That he would open eyes and hearts to receive and follow him. Be content in these things. When is Jesus coming back? I don't know. But until he does, I'm going to give myself to his kingdom and its righteousness. I'm going to be given to calling sinners for repentance and faith. Because I know that that day of celebration, which will be that for me, that total VE day that is coming. I know for others it will not be celebration. I am so worried about when it's going to happen that I am not able to speak to that lost sinner and say, this is going to happen. And this is what's already been done. And you need to come to Jesus and live. Don't be so concerned when the kingdom comes. It is come and still will come. Be more concerned about how it will come. And that in the second place, because that's the thing we have to square away. And yet when we hear it, we see what? Well, give me something I can see. Give me something I can hold on to. Give me something I can believe. Give me a date. Give me a whatever. Prove it to me. People want signs. 
Give it to me with clarity. Give it to me with precision. Let me verify those things and prove those things by way of my own reason, my own intellect, or in comparison with the stuff of the world. It's what the Jews look for. It's what too many people in pews look for. But is that the way of our king? Is that the way of Jesus? Oh, we can see it. We see success in the kingdom because the church has all of its pews full. Is that it? Is that it? So if that's not the way of our king, why do we do the same thing as we pray this petition? Lord, show us your kingdom come and coming in my successes, in my prosperity, in the government of my choosing, and so on and so forth. Man, we make it about us. Congregation, we cannot gauge the coming of the kingdom in what we observe, in the stats we compile, in the numbers that we count. That isn't it. Look again at our text. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there. It's not coming in a way that says, here's the date. There's no herald camping action to this thing. It's not going to happen. You don't get to say this kingdom, this and that, and we're going to fill in all of the blanks in the book of Revelation to figure out that exact time and date or decade. That isn't going to happen. And it's important to remember, because even outside of all of those things, we still put a lot of stock in what we see. And yet the word calls us to what? You will walk by faith and not by sight. But then we look around again, and we see the losses and the struggles And we see young people leaving the church in droves. And we see the struggles of American evangelicalism, if that even means anything anymore. And people have said, I have more than enough gathered in my barns and things. I don't need the Lord. We look around at the decay of the culture all around us, and we say, is there really a kingdom advancing? We see even the seeming retreat of Christians from the culture or from the civic square. Kingdom advancing? Yes, because that's what he said in his word. Not always at the same rate, not always in the same way, in different places and among different people, but he is still reigning and ruling over all things. Hear it again. The victory has been won. The kingdom will come in full. That is your confidence. But how is it coming now? Hear this. The kingdom, the rule and reign of God manifest is not bound to physical realities, to that which natural man can see or will give himself to see. His kingdom is not established in the way that every kingdom or empire has been established in the history of the world. You cannot look to world domination or to an empire ruled in the way of man. As one commentator writes, quote, God's kingdom is active in this world, but it is not determined by events in this world, and hence temporal events cannot predict its arrival, end quote. 
We are looking for the wrong thing in the wrong ways, even as the Pharisees were. It has to stop. We still want signs. Give us signs. Oh, things are so much worse. It's got to be about time. Paul said it was coming soon. We live with that anticipation and that confidence. But he is reigning now. He's reigning now. The Pharisees, they still wanted those signs. They wanted changes to earthly kingdoms without giving an eye to the wonder of the fullness of the promise. Pastor, if God would just give us the ruler, the president that we want, that we think we should need, his kingdom would advance. Jesus is still king. His people are still here. We are the ones. We are the ones who go out into the culture and into this world as salt and light. That's the wonder of the kingdom, of our hope, and of our confidence. But we don't like that. We don't. We want it to be easy. We want it to be without sacrifice. We want it to be without persecution. We want it to be without consequence. That isn't the way. That's not the way. And even when Jesus gave signs that pointed to the breakthrough of that kingdom, the Pharisees and Jews didn't like it. Luke 11 Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom say? Jesus says, for you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. Hear this. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so Jesus is saying... It isn't about the signs. They all point to me. It's not about the signs. Why? Because it's not to be observed that way. Because his kingdom is not of this world. When you place your trust more in the way earthly kingdoms are going rather than in the kingdom that has been established in heaven, You're going to have all kinds of doubts, and you are going to sway in the wind always. You have firm assurance. His kingdom is not of this world. John 8, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Or let me put it to you very plainly. Where is the throne of Christ? Jerusalem? Ottawa? Washington, D.C.? It's in heaven. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and hear your confidence, and his kingdom rules over all. Why do we want the kingdom to come how we want it to come? In things we can cling to in this world instead of looking to things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. We need to ask, not for the stuff of this world, but for eyes to see it. To see that kingdom come. Because the kingdom of God doesn't come through any of the things that happen or in any number of observable physical phenomenon. We need to look to Jesus. 
We give ourselves to his word. We wait upon him. Looking again and again and again to Jesus. The one who has come and is coming again and who was standing right in front of those Pharisees. You're like, but we want to see it. We want to see the kingdom come. That's what we're praying, isn't it, Pastor? If that's what you are praying, then pray for the advance of Christ alone. Pray for it in every avenue and sphere of this life, that it would be directed to Christ alone. Every endeavor that you take, every word that you speak, let it be Christ alone. Our hope and comfort is found in what? In Christ alone. And so that means that as the kingdom comes, as Christ is present in and in the midst of his people, a people given to God's means of grace, a people given in submission to and the advancing of what? The keys of the kingdom. Oh, we've got to get out there, Pastor. We've got to redeem the culture. No, you need to give yourself to Christ, to his word, and to his sacraments. The rest of that stuff comes. Keep first things first. The preaching of the Holy Gospel and Christian discipline toward repentance. Both of them open the kingdom of heaven to believers and close it to unbelievers. So your kingdom come, open the doors of that kingdom, Lord. Open them wide. Receive all of your own. Gather the saints in. Make yourself known by way of your word and spirit more and more in us and in all of your people. Make your rule plain among us even as we look to you. Knowing that our place with you is not in this earth but in the throne room of heaven. And that is a great assurance. Because nothing that takes place in this earthly existence will get away of his, in the way of his kingdom come and still coming. Because we have beheld his glory full of grace and truth. That reality changes us and shapes us in Christ. For it is in him and in his people where his kingdom will come. And that in the last place. For behold, hear it plainly, underline it if you must, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom is in your midst. It's in your grasp. It's here. Why? Why can he say this? Because the king was in their midst. That was always the point. He abides with us and rules over us because his kingdom is over all. Where does his kingdom come? Look around you. Look down the pew to your left and to your right. Look at it in the life of the church. And in the collection of those faithful churches, which are not all of the kingdom, but of that manifestation today. Yes, the church is not the entirety of the kingdom, but it's the place where the kingdom operates to the glory of his name, or at least it should. And here's the dissonance for the Pharisees who wouldn't receive Jesus as Messiah and Savior. The same dissonance it is for those in the church who will not submit to Christ or bow to the authority of his word. Where will his kingdom come? It will come in the midst of his people who give thanks in grace that they have received him and a great salvation that they might exalt the name of Christ in every way. 
that they might take every thought captive, that they might work heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, that they would give testimony in all things, in every way, to the rule and reign of Christ in everything. It comes in those places where we rejoice in the, at least that way, more visible advance of that kingdom by way of his word and spirit as the priority. That the wonder of our day is that other countries are sending missionaries here. That the kingdom is advancing in such a real and profound way in other places. That they look at America as a place of darkness and need for the gospel. Again, de Young writes, quote, the kingdom has come where the king has his way, end quote. Does he have his way among us? Does he have his way among our churches? The kingdom is present where the king is present. Where Christ is living and active, there the kingdom has come and is coming. His kingdom is seen now in the people of his true church. His kingdom coming wherever his kingdom citizens live for him, turn and come to him and are given to him, to his mission and to his glory. And so we pray, let your kingdom come more and more in us, in the places where we're now found, because we know a place has been prepared for us. And so where will his kingdom come? Among those who call out for him to rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. Don't pray this prayer if you are unwilling to submit to Christ. Rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Here at Embelgic Article 29, as for those who are of the church, we can recognize them by the distinguishing marks of Christians, namely by faith and by their fleeing from sin and pursuing righteousness. Once they have received the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, Where does it come? Where they love the true God and their neighbors, without turning to the right or left, where they crucify the flesh and its works. Though great weakness remains in them, they fight against it by the Spirit all the days of their life, appealing constantly to the blood, suffering, death, and obedience of the Lord Jesus, in whom they have forgiveness of their sins through faith in Him. His kingdom comes where? Among those who call out for him to preserve and increase his church. Canons 2.9, this plan arising out of God's eternal love for his chosen ones from the beginning of the world to the present time has been powerfully carried out and will also be carried out in the future, the gates of hell seeking vainly to prevail against it. As a result, the chosen are gathered into one, all in their own time, and there is always a church of believers founded on Christ's blood. A church which steadfastly loves, persistently worships, and here and in all eternity praises him as her Savior, who laid down his life for her on the cross as a bridegroom for his bride. Where does the kingdom come? Among those who call out for him to destroy the devil's work, to destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. 1 John 3, 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Do that here. Do that among us and in your church, O Lord. Do this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all.
And in that way, when will that be? We can come back to that question one last time. In the last day. And yet his kingdom is coming in the lives of his own now. So where does his kingdom come? Anywhere where sinners are called to repentance, that they would come to know him by grace alone and faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. The kingdom advances where men and women in the church are faithful to the command of Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. His kingdom is in our midst where? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is with us. Where is that kingdom in our midst? And he's promised, I'm coming again, and I'm coming soon. So if you're going to pray, thy kingdom come, I ask you, are you ready to meet the king? Does he know you? Does he know your name? Will he call you to his rights? Thy kingdom come, Lord. Be known in the world, yes. Be known in me. Let your kingdom be known in me. Be known in the world now and all opposition in that day. And until then, be in our midst in power, Lord, by your word and your spirit for your glory. Thy kingdom come, Father. Make your kingdom known in all that we are in Christ. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the encouragement that it is, for the confidence that it provides. More than that, the salvation that is ours, guaranteed, even as our flesh is at the right hand of the Father and your Son. A testimony that you continue to pour into our hearts by your word and Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we pray that that kingdom comes and that it is more fully known in your church. And as we as that people go out into our communities, to the work that you've called us to, to the schools that we are a part of, to the neighborhood friends that we play with, to the neighbors we share on our right and our left, to the office worker in the next cubicle, to the person running to the machine right next to us on the line. Wherever that might be, Father, that is where your kingdom advances. And so, Lord, we pray Father, draw us to yourself in readiness to meet you, in knowing that you are with us, that you are ruling and reigning now. And so, Father, may you be all of our confidence. Lord Jesus Christ, may you be our sure confession. Holy Spirit, apply these truths to our lives. And Lord, as we go out then, we will go out in truth. A truth that needs to be lived, but a truth that needs to be spoken to the world of submission to the Lord of bowing the knee before his word, before that day of judgment. And so, Father, even as we give to, to right to life this morning, Father, that the world would hear, that they would see in us, Father, a love for life, a preservation of life, an understanding of the sanctity of life. And that, Father, in the means that you grant to us, we pray, might you end, end the horror of the senseless murder of the unborn in our country, in this world. 
And that, Father, your name would be praised because of it. Lord, we submit to you, we honor you, we glorify you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have opportunity now to bring those.